I think one Sunday morning, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to invite everybody else, all the adults come up here and sit one time. I'll just, I'll, y'all come up here and sit and I'll just, I'll just sit down there and we'll, just, we'll reverse things for once. That would be really good, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I may even provide a snack. How about that? Uh, for the sermon today, I've entitled it, Can You See? You know, many of us have trouble seeing. I wear glasses because I'm nearsighted. Some are farsighted. And me, uh, wear the glasses and contacts, and it corrects the vision so we can see pretty well. And physical vision is important, but sometimes we, we look, but we don't really see. Um, I'll give you an example. I remember when I was in like 7th or 8th grade, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, we had class that day, and the teacher had to leave for a minute, so he left. And he wasn't gone just a couple of minutes, and all of a sudden, two people come running in. And one of them went over and laid something on the desk. The other one went and grabbed something over here off a shelf. And they ran around the room a little bit, and then they ran out. And then the teacher came in, and uh, we were all confused, but then he handed out a test. And on the test, it was just a list of questions. You know, uh, what color was the first person's hair? What did they lay on the desk? Or what did the second person do? And what were they wearing? And, you know, it was, it was really interesting because you're sitting there looking at that, and most of us couldn't answer those questions because we've seen the people run in, but you see it, but you don't really look at what you're seeing. And I think sometimes when we read God's Word, we read the stories, like I was telling the kids about Paul and Silas. Everybody knows the story about Paul and Silas and the Philippian jailer and the earthquake, and everybody knows that. I think God wants us to be able to see every situation and everything with eyes of faith so that we don't miss anything. So this morning we're going to look at the story of Paul and Silas in jail that most of us already know. But we're going to, we need to see what God wants us to understand about that story. The spiritual aspects that sometimes we just kind of gloss over and we don't really concentrate on to see what God really wants us to see. So let's read again. Acts chapter 16. Starting with verse 16. And the Bible says, And it came to pass as uh, we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a certain uh, divination uh, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and, and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And, and this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and threw them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into a prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, uh, he drew out his sword that would have killed himself and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they uh, spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he and all his, on all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God, with all his house. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for showing us the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for opening up our hearts to let us see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the Son of God who came and died on the cross for our sins, that he paid the penalty of sin so that we can stand before you in his righteousness, not of our own. And Father, we thank you that you've used us to further the gospel, Father, because it was your plan for us to go and tell and witness for you. As Paul and Silas are witness, Father, let us see in this story what you'd have us to understand about our life, about our witness, about our service to you. Father, open our eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our faith so that we can see what you'd have us to see, so that we can grow in Christ, to be used by you in a mighty way. For Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul and Silas were trying to find out where the Lord wanted them to go. And in Acts chapter 16, starting verse 9, Paul gets the answer. Verse 9 says, And a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So they were sitting there, him and his team, Paul and Silas, and those who were with him. They're trying to figure out where to go next. Paul gets the vision to go to Macedonia. So they head to Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And they begin to share the gospel, and people were responding to the good news of Jesus Christ. But then they started to get some opposition. It started in verse 16. And it came to pass, and when we, uh, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination uh, met us, which, which brought her masters much gain uh, by soothsaying. The same followed uh, Paul and us and cried, again, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, and Paul, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. This woman was a fortune teller. 
She had a demon inside of her. It would give her the ability to, to tell people what they needed to hear. The men who were her masters used her to make money. That was their line of work. They, they used her to tell people what they wanted to hear so they would pay for it. And what the woman was saying to Paul and, the, and his group was true. She was crying out that, that they served the Most High God and, and they showed the way of salvation, which was all true. But it's a lesson here for us that not everyone is of God. And be careful who you partner with. Peter knew, I mean, Paul knew that this wasn't the, someone he needed to partner with. He knew that it was a demon. Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets which come unto you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are raven, uh, ravenous wolves. Becoming partners with evil hurts the cause of Christ. And that's why Paul cast out the demon, the evil spirit. It caused him a lot of problems. But usually doing the right thing is not always the best thing for people to see. Because people don't want to see the, the right thing. People want to go on with their own life the way it is sometimes. So what does God want us to see here? Well, first of all, we need to see that suffering is a part of our salvation. Listen, something we don't want to think about is that nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through pain and trials. Nobody wants a door slammed in their face. Nobody wants to get cussed out because you tell someone about Jesus Christ. No one wants to feel that. But it's a part of our salvation. Paul and Silas wasn't out doing something they wanted to do. They weren't out on their own. They weren't going where they wanted to go. They were doing exactly what God told them to do, where God told them to do it. And they were cast in prison. They were doing the right thing at the right time, the right way. And for that they had suffered. But some things are worth suffering for. I was thinking about an athlete. An athlete will train and, 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 and go through injuries and, and aches and pains and, and, and to, to get ready to compete. I think about Braden. He comes home with uh, bruises and, and black eye and, and busted nose. And wrestling's a rough sport. But all that's preparing him for the, to compete. I think about soldiers who are willing to fight alongside their brother-in-arms and, and to fight for, for cause and for country, and they're willing to pay the penalty to suffer for that because it's an important thing. It's important to them. I think about parents, parents who suffer sleepless nights because you have a child that's sick or maybe a, a wayward child that's left and you don't know where they're at. Some suffering is worth it. And these are just a few examples, but none are greater than suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of the heroes of faith that we study in the Bible suffered incredible hardships for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's an example of suffering for the gospel. And if we're truly a part of the church, if we are a part of the body of Christ, then somehow, somewhere, you're going to suffer for Jesus. Suffering really is a part of our salvation. Jesus spoke to his disciples. In uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 22, it says, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected 
of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and raised the third day. And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Jesus talked about the cost of being a disciple. We are to carry on where Jesus left off. We are to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus Christ into a world that hated him and still hates him. Because we have the good news. Tribulation is not a time to quit. It is proof that you're in the will of God. Paul told the Philippian church later on in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul said, let, let, Only let your conversation be as it become the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, so is to them uh, an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is given in in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Also, we're to suffer for Christ's sake. Because the gospel is is, is something that you can't ride the fence on. The gospel, when you present it to someone, it's either going to bring conviction or it's going to bring anger. He says right there, to some it is perdition, eternal punishment. It's an understanding that they have a problem, that they're not going to make it through this world without a Savior, that someone's going to have to save them. And people don't want to think they need anything. People want to think, well, I'm a good person. I don't do anything wrong much. I I, I try to treat people right most of the time. They try to justify their life, but you'll not stand before God and justify your life. You'll stand before God and, and discuss whether or not you have Jesus in your heart. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through Christ. But it's, it's perdition to some, but it is salvation to us. You're telling them what they need to hear, but what they don't want to hear. That there's punishment for sin. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. He didn't say may suffer persecution. He said, all that will live godly in Jesus Christ shall, shall suffer persecution. But we don't have to suffer alone. Look at verse 25 of our text. It says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas, bloody, uh, uh, sore from the beating they took, hungry, cold, scared, chained in the basement of this prison. But they're singing together, praising God. God was with them. God puts a song in our heart. He puts that song uh, in our hearts to stay. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going through. Spiritually, we need to see that suffering is a part of our salvation. And then rejoice. 
that we have an opportunity to suffer for Christ. Because he suffered for us. So why would we not want to suffer for him? Second, God wants us to see that the lost are headed for hell. Paul and Silas saw this. Look at verses 26 and 27. It said, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep to see uh, the prison doors open, he drew out his sword that he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Uh, I love this. And sometimes I read this and I, I gloss over that. You, sometimes when, when you know the story, you can't wait to get to the, to the jailer because you know the jailer's getting ready to almost kill himself and Paul and Silas says don't do it and he becomes convicted of his sins and, and he realizes that, uh, that he needs to be saved and he asks him, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, Paul tells him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we get to that part of the story and, uh, and, and that's where we wanted to go. If you do that, you miss out on something very key right here. All these prisoners. And I'm telling you, this is a, this is a, a prison where, where we don't know what was headed for these men. We don't know where they were going. Some of them could have been headed to a cross. Some of them were probably going to be beaten. Some of them may have been in that prison for years. And the minute those doors flung open, they should have bolted. The, 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 their, their legs were no longer chained. The doors were open. They should have been out of there. Why didn't they leave? Because they seen these two men drug in, bleeding, about dead, chained to a wall, and they were singing. And they were praising their God. And suddenly they realized that those men had something that was more important to them than the freedom. They weren't going to leave until they found out what made them two men sing. I think they start to realize that they were bound for hell. And if they walked out of those doors, they were, they were still going to be going to hell. They even had freedom in this world, but they, they still were doomed. They needed to know what those men knew. And isn't it interesting that Paul and Silas, uh, they could have been angry. They could have been bitter. They could have just sat there and, and sought in that prison. But no, they didn't, did they? They realized that God gave them an opportunity. God put them in a place where they would have never been any other way so that they could witness to these men in jail. Because Paul and Silas knew that all lost people are bound for hell and without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the jailer was getting ready to kill himself. So what happens in verse 28? And Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. He's about to do the worst thing he could possibly do to himself and his family. And Paul says, stop. He said, I'm getting ready to tell you the best thing you can do for you and your family. Look at verse 29 through 31. It says, And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said unto him, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Paul and Silas uh, could see that people were lost and, and bound for hell, but they had the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul and Silas was, 
giving the gospel to everyone they met. And that's what they want to do here. That's the key. We're not to try and decide who needs to be saved or who needs to hear the gospel. Paul and Silas didn't go into town and say, okay, we need a meeting. We need to look out and look at these people here and find out who needs the gospel and who doesn't. Because these people over here look like they're okay. They don't need the gospel. These people right here, they need the gospel bad. So we'll go to them first. They didn't do that, did they? No, they went into a town and told everybody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't want anybody to miss this good news. They didn't want to take a chance on not telling someone because they may be saved. They wanted to make sure that everybody know that salvation is through Jesus Christ and him alone. They didn't want anybody to miss this. They had to tell everybody, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The jailer saw no hope. And so many people can't see the hope that's all around us. Judas couldn't see the hope. After he betrayed Christ and got paid, Matthew 27, 5 says, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. He who walked with Jesus for three years, he who followed him, who, who Jesus washed his feet. You know why Jesus washed his feet for? Jesus knew he was going to betray him. He knew he'd already betrayed him. He knew what was going to happen. Why did Jesus wash his feet? He wanted to give Judas one more time. One more chance to see. One more opportunity. One more before it's eternally too late. But he couldn't see. We can give them hope. Jesus is our hope. Knowing the lost are bound for hell should motivate us to live and to share the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 15 says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but every fellow that which is good... Uh, but ever, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So people are going to render evil to you. People are going to say hurtful things. People are going to say, church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, and, and y'all are foolish for believing what you believe. And there's many different religions. There's many different ways to heaven. Y'all are fools for believing what you want to do. And they're going to talk evil things to you, but you don't say that. You don't render evil for evil. You just let them know that the only hope you can possibly have is Jesus Christ and share the good news with all people. And God wants us to see that we need that mindset of Christ. In Luke 6, 28, he said, Blessed them that curse you. Pray for them that despisefully use you. Jesus says, you continue on. You pray for them. You tell them. You go. They lash out because they don't know Jesus. We share because we know he's the only way to eternal life. Three, God also wants us to see that each lost person has others they care about. This next part, I, I don't really understand. Uh, maybe it could have been the Holy Spirit revealing it to Paul and Silas. But the, verse 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Some way, Paul and Silas knew that this jailer had a family that he cared about. Maybe he lived next door to the jail. Because when the earthquake came, he came out and saw the doors were open, so he was close by. So maybe they knew that he was a family man. Maybe he knew that they had others, that he had others that he cared about. While beaten and chained, Paul and Silas still noticed that the jailer 
had people that he cared about. It's important for us to understand that. Listen, when you witness to someone, think about it. You're not witnessing to one person. You're witnessing to someone that has an opportunity to take that gospel back to their family, back to people they care about. It's a multiplication of the gospel. It's you tell one person, and they become saved, and they go tell people in their inner circle, and then they go tell people in their inner circle. You're not witnessing to one person. You're witnessing to families, to, to friends, to everyone that they care about. Because I don't know about you, but as soon as I got saved, the first thing I went is I went and told my family. And then I started calling my friends. Brother Rafford led me to the Lord, but he didn't know them other people. But it's what happens when we, you have, you have to understand that. You're not just witnessing to one person, you're witnessing to a whole group of people you may never meet any other way. Paul and Silas wanted to minister to his whole family. And Jeremiah 32, 39 says, and, I'll, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. Not only that, you're not affecting the person and his group of friends, but you may have a chance to impact generation after generation. Simply by leading one person to the Lord. Simply by giving the gospel to one person. Three generations from that, they still could be talking about the time their great-great-grandfather got saved. And how he gave the gospel to his children. And then their children gave it to their children. And their children gave it to their children. You're beginning something that God and the Holy Spirit can use. We play a very small part in giving out of the gospel. Jesus says, go and tell. He said, he didn't say go and convert. He said go and tell. And once you tell someone, it's out there. And the Holy Spirit can get a hold of that. And get a hold of that heart. And wonderful things begin to happen. Not because of us, but because God is working through us to affect change in the lives of people. The jailer's conversion opened up his family to the gospel. Most people have families and people uh, they're close to. And we need to see that our sharing of the gospel with one person has that ability to reach all of them. When a mother and father get saved, then they begin to teach their children about Jesus. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, he will not depart from it. God wants us to see that when we share the gospel with one person, we are given the opportunity for many to receive him. Great responsibility. Paul, Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, and they witnessed to the prisoners, and they witnessed to the jailer, and then the witness to the jailer's family. And wonderful how God works things out. We can't even begin to work out. Finally, God wants us to see that real life comes from him. Look at verse 32 to 34. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same night, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God and all his house. See the great transformation? 
There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas knew it. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. They may beat me, they may put me in jail, they may chain me up, I don't care, I'm not ashamed, because there's power in the gospel to save people. There's power to bring people to know Jesus Christ. There's power to pull people out of hell. There's power to set people before God as his child and not as someone who's going to receive the wrath. The gospel is power of God for eternal life. And Jesus died for us so that we could live. Jesus has the power to save. A life lived for him. So many people in this story experienced real, eternal life for the first time. The jailer who washed Paul and Silas' wounds and fed them. The jailer's family who received the gospel. Those prisoners who decided it was better for them to be in jail and know Jesus than to be free without him. There was rejoicing in receiving eternal life. God has given us the power to influence so many people. If we will focus on him, if we see things with our spiritual eyes, if we will see things through the eyes of faith, in all situations we can give him the glory. Imagine if Paul and Silas only complained and become bitter. None of this would have happened. But because they opened their mouth and sung praises to God and then told the jailer how to be saved, God used that and the Holy Spirit moved and people were saved. We need to see that we can trust the Lord in every situation because he has given us eternal life. So today, start seeing with your spiritual eyes. Today, when you go home, take the Bible, pick out one of your favorite stories, Read it. Pray over it. Read it again. And see what God will reveal to you. How it will be a blessing to you as you go forth and try to uh, tell people about him. But today, understand that suffering is part of our salvation. We need to see that the lost are bound for hell. And without the gospel, there is no hope. We need to see that each lost person has a lot of people that they care about that also need the gospel. And that the only true life, real life, comes from God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, I just want to ask if do you all have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where someone told you what must you do to be saved? They said, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And you received him into your heart. If that's happened to you, let me see a show of hands. All those who believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I know it's not every hand can be raised. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're, you're bound for hell. And not because of your sins, because the Bible says for all sin comes short of the glory of God. We're all, we're all supposed to be bound for hell. But because Jesus came and died for our sins, those who believe on Him receive His righteousness as He took the punishment for our sins. But it's like everything else. If he, somebody offers you a free gift, You'll never receive it until you take it. 
I can give you a, I can give you a free gift right now. I can hold it out here and say, here, I give you a free gift. But if you don't come up here and take it from me, you, you'll never get it. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world so that all that believe in him will have eternal life. And he says, here, I got, I got eternal life right here. Come and take it. Just come to me and take it out of my hand. I'm giving it to you right now. I don't require anything except that you believe I am the Son of God. All I require is that you serve me and make me the center of your life. I'll give you this. Come on, take it. It's free. So many people reject it. Those prisoners didn't want to leave until they knew. Don't leave here today without knowing that you have eternal life through Christ Jesus. Father, we Lord, we thank you for this time. Father, we thank you uh, for the stories in the Bible, the true stories of these people in their lives. And the Father, the things that you reveal to us. And Father, we may suffer in this life for sharing the gospel. Father, the day will come when we'll never suffer again. When we step out of this world, step into glory to be with you for all eternity. But while we're here, Father, let us be aware of those who don't know Christ are bound for hell. And they need to hear the gospel. Lord, open up our mouths. Fill us with your boldness. Let us understand that we're not doing the work we're just giving the message of the gospel. We're just witnessing to what you've done to us in our life. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Father, help us to see spiritually the hearts of those who don't know. And give us the words to say, Father, that will make them understand that you are the Son of God. Love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Together and sing our